special day. And one thing that is very special about today is our independence anniversary. I know that, um, you know, I was sharing, you know, with uh, uh, Alex here, earlier, you know, saying, earlier today I was, you know, tweeting about Nigeria and trying to say some, some good things and say, say some prayer about Nigeria and I, I got attacked. Because <laughs> uh, some people just felt, you know, there's nothing to celebrate, there's nothing to, uh, maybe perhaps there's nothing good about Nigeria and all that. Uh, <clears throat> but that's not what we believe, amen. I said, that's not what we believe. We believe in God's promises and much more than that, we believe in collaborative effort that can turn things around. And we're gathered here today uh, based on that belief. And um, those of us who are here, especially those of us who are here early, I regard you as the remnants, all right? Because if this was a breakthrough meeting, you know what usually will happen. Uh, people will park on the road everywhere. All the car parks will be full by now. If it was um, a comedy event, enjoy. <laughs> everywhere will be parked out. There will be no leg space even, you know, around the compound. Um, but I, I celebrate everyone who came in for uh, this event. We will keep, you know, encouraging ourselves to believe the best about Nigeria and to play our part in what we have to do to turn the tide around. Isaiah 60, uh, 60 Isaiah chapter 60, I love to read a passage of the scripture here. This is just to... Um, to say that this is what we believe. We believe in God's promises and what God speaks to one, he speaks to all. And God here is, was, I mean, speaking through his prophet Isaiah, prophesying about his nation, the nation that he had his people in. And if you are uh, you know, a people of God, and you are in this nation right now, we can safely appropriate this prophecy. Is somebody say with me this, this, this evening? We can safely appropriate this prophecy at this time to believe that this will be the turn of the event in our nation. Isaiah chapter 60, I read from verse 15. It says, whereas you have been forsaken and hated, so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellency and a joy of many generations. Right, for some of us, we have used this and appropriated it to ourselves, personally. Uh, but when the prophet was speaking here, he wasn't speaking to individuals. He was speaking to a nation. He was speaking to a nation. So verse 16, he said, You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and the, the, the milk of the breast of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, I am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will give you gold. Instead of iron, I will, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze, and uh, instead of stones, iron, I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteous. Oh, say it better, amen. amen. He said, I will make your officers peace I will, and your magistrates righteous. He says, violence shall no longer be had in your land. Amen. Neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. Amen. But you shall Call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Amen. Say, believing, amen. amen. This 
are the things that we believe concerning Nigeria. And tonight, we're going to challenge each other to see the part that we can play as our nation starts to turn around. Because whether we like it or not, things will turn around. These prophecies will be fulfilled. But the truth is that nothing moves until we move. You know, new things, first law of motion. All objects remain at a state of rest until a relevant force is applied. So Nigeria is not going to change until you and I take position to apply the relevant forces that we need to make things work differently. And that's what this forum tonight is all about. And um, I'm trusting God that um, God will reach out to us tonight and that our hearts shall be open to receive, to repent, to turn, to do some things differently and to take responsibility for Nigeria even spiritually as we pray. Uh, so tonight also we'll be praying, we'll be talking and praying, you know, more like intermittently. Praise God. I said praise God. All right, tonight we're going to take the first uh, presentation uh, from one of our guests, which we've announced earlier on. Um, I'm going to just read a small part of his, of his profile and um, bring him up to speak to us. Uh, Mr. Alex Goma is the managing director of PZ Nigeria. He is an experienced business manager with sufficient expertise in sales and trade marketing of fast-moving consumer goods spanning uh, six countries in Africa. Before he joined the company as a commercial director in 2010, he held, uh, he had worked, and I'm talking about um, Guinness, Nigeria, am I right? Yeah, before he, before he joined Guinness in 2010, where he worked as a commercial director, from where he went to, uh, to join PZ a few years ago to work for PZ. He had worked for Procter & Gamble in Nigeria, Ghana and, uh, Ghana and Egypt. Um, British American Tobacco in Senegal, Gambia, uh, uh, Mauritania, and Guinness, Nigeria PLC, where he was sales director. He actively supports the Kingdom Kids Club and Orphanage, and Orphanage in raising funds. Kingdom Kids Orphanage was set up to cater for children orphaned by the crisis in Joss. It facilitates uh, the after-school graduate uh, development program and NGO set up to help fresh graduates uh, learn skills for employment. He hails from a plateau state. He also supports the widow group of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Ujudu, uh, which mainly supports housing, school fees, and you know, small businesses and all. He currently worships uh, at Daystar Christian Center uh, under the leadership of Pastor Sam Ademi, who also happened to be a pastor and a mentor over this house. Um, it's uh, with such a great privilege that we have uh, uh, this great Nigerian who has been a good example, and um, we can present him to us today to challenge us uh, based on his convictions about uh, what will still happen in this nation and some of the things that we need to do differently to make such things happen. Ladies and gentlemen, can you put your hands together as we receive with me Mr. Alex Goma as he comes to address us. Please, let's, let's keep clapping.
Good evening, distinguished ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, first of all, let me wish you happy independence. And I also want to first of all thank the pastor of this church, the members of the board of this church for the opportunity for me to come and speak before uh, you all, especially on this very beautiful day that we celebrate the independence of Nigeria. What I am going to share with you is what is exactly our role as nation builders within Nigeria. I'll try to just talk about a few highlights that focus on where we are today as a society and hone in on what is our responsibility, especially as Christians within this society that we live in um, today. Nigeria today is celebrating 15 years of relative stability. We've had democratic government for 15 years. All the external indicators that we hear about when you watch the news, when you look at external investors, they tell you that the economy has been growing. And this economic expansion has largely been driven by the fact that we have had technological changes. We've also had certain industries like entertainment and music all grow. And all these are creating growth for us. We've had consistently more than 5 to 7% growth year on year in the past 5 to 7 years. We've also seen an increase in agriculture output, driven by certain policies, okay, that have been driven by the Minister of Agri and, and some of the people who are working in that sector. There are quite a number of changes that they have driven to ensure that we start to see increasing output within uh, the agri sector. Yet, despite all these improvements and everything that we see, why do we still have more than 70 million Nigerians living in poverty? Because when people talk about the economy is growing on the macro basis, things are improving, and when you listen to the radio and you listen to the TVs and you see all the adverts from the transformation people of Nigeria, they tell you that Nigeria is working and everything. And yet we have 70 million Nigerians living under poverty. That means 70 million Nigerians who are living under $2 per day. That means they have only 300 Naira to spend on themselves entirely, not just about food, everything they do about them. We've also seen in the past five or seven years an unemployment growing. And if we use the government data, which is their official data, it's actually been growing from around 5% and is now at 23%. Our GDP has been restated. Now, that's a valid fact. It's not uh, economic mumbo-jumbo. It's not abracadabra. It's the fact that they've realized the importance of certain areas of the economy that were not captured. And today, we're the largest economy in Africa, and we're the 26th largest economy in the world. Despite all of this, we still have people that are living under the poverty line, and we also have about 70 million people that are living under what we call the empowerment line. So how do we as a nation handle and address this? We have so many reasons. People have different excuses why they say this is what is driving. One is, oh, we say we have insecurity, right? We have insecurity, we have ethnicity, we have our diversity. And that is what is making us have all these problems. The guys from the north don't want to uh, give over power. Christians are fighting Muslims. Is that really the cause of our problems? Today we are living in a nation where terrorism now has overtaken crimes like armed robbery, right, and kidnapping, and there are no longer things in the news because 
what we are more interested in is the fact that we see that a huge part of the country has actually been taken over by terrorist attacks. On the screen there, I have a map that just shows you the incidences of terrorist attacks since 2012. And actually, the color coding shows you the intensity of attacks that we see. So if you look at it, basically 50% of the country has at one point or the other come under some sort of attack. It is very easy for us to sit here and in the comfort of Lagos and feel that, okay, this has nothing to do with us. It only affects the people who are living at the other side. But you know the way it starts? They first start with the people who are very close to us, and after we've dealt with them, we will then come for those who are close. And at that point, there will be nobody else left to fight for us. So what really is driving this terrorism? Is it political? Is it religious? Is it because we have ethnicity? And some of the guys who are leading us today want us to believe that it's our differences that is making it difficult for us to live and work as a nation. But when I look at different people or when I go out into the market, courtesy of my job, I have to travel around this country. And I think there's only one state capital I've not spent a night in, and that's Yenagua. And I meet so many people who are trying to make a living day to day. When our people go to the market, they never ask, where are you from before they buy what they want to buy? They find out who has the best product and who has the best price. They never ask, which religion are you when they want to buy something? When your car is spoiled and you need a mechanic, you never find out what's the state of origin of that mechanic. You find out who is the best mechanic and you go after that mechanic. And yet, these guys tell us that it's actually because we do not belong together. It's actually because we have differences in tribes. It's actually because we have differences in languages. That's why it's not working for us. Actually, it's a real fight between those who are oppressing us and the rest of the people who are oppressed. But they've tried to turn our minds and they make it seem as if they're actually working or defending our interests rather than fighting against us. All you need to do is to look at the pages of newspapers when there's a family event of any one of those guys at the top and find out whether you find only people from one ethnic group. When you have a wedding of the son or the daughter of a big politician, you find people that cut across religions, that cut across tribes. When you find a big politician being given an award, I was going through the papers today and I see all the congratulatory me messages, they cut across tribes, they cut across religions. So is it really religion? Or is it really tribe that makes a difference? Or is it something else that actually is at the heart of the problem that we face? We also talk about corruption, and everybody will shout and say, you know what, fix corruption, and corruption is the major problem of Nigeria. But I believe that corruption actually is a symptom of something that is much greater than corruption. Actually, the biggest issue we face is that of mediocrity. Again, on the screen, I've just put one of the charts there as a map of the corruption index by Transparency International. And basically, what they do is they use a color code to show you the countries that are most corrupt. So starting from the light orange to the deep red tells you the countries that are the most corrupt. Now, if you look at Africa and you look at Nigeria, right, the colors are no different from a lot of the countries in Asia that we like to go and buy or trade or we believe are the very advanced countries. So if they are at the same level of corruption as we are, why is it that their citizens have a better standard of life than we currently have today? 
And these are some questions we have to ask ourselves, but later I will talk about it. I believe it is not corruption, but actually we've allowed a culture of mediocrity, a culture of laziness, and a culture of a lack of sense of responsibility to start to drive this nation. And that's why we pay double the price, because we pay the price for corruption, and we also pay the price for mediocrity. Just a simple example, if a contract is issued to build this road, and the people collect 10%, 20%, 30%, we pay a price for corruption. However, if the road is built by mediocres, you have a road that will not last up to a year. So next year again, we will pay a price for corruption, and we will also pay a price for mediocrity. Right? Those other countries build infrastructure that will last them 30 years. Yes, they pay the price of corruption because there's corruption everywhere. There's corruption in the U.S. However, there's a standard and a level of care that you have to apply. And the citizens hold their government and hold the people in positions of responsibility to account for that. And that's what represents the difference why we find that standard of difference. Despite all these challenges that we face, why is it that people find us still attractive? Because every day you read in the news, organizations want to come into Nigeria, companies are investing millions of dollars and pounds into Nigeria. What is it that they see that we who are here do not see and do not understand that opportunities abound? A study done by McKinsey in conjunction with the uh, Central Bank and the Bureau of Statistics shows that Nigeria will be in the top 20 of the world's economy if we continue to grow at 7% by 2030. However, if we do not build the right infrastructure and build the right kind of citizens, right, that development and that GDP growth will not translate into a better standard of living or life for us as a society. So, how do we as Christians make a difference in the nation, how do we build a nation where we can be proud, where we can take advantage of the opportunities and benefit from all the blessings that God has given us? Again, by virtue of my career, I've had the opportunity of traveling across most of the countries in West Africa. And there are some countries that have a full army, a full navy, and a full air force, and yet do not have the resources as much as the poorest state in Nigeria. And yet those guys are able to maintain infrastructure of a state, of a nation, despite the fact that they do not have any of the natural endowments that we have as a country, and also the kind of people that we have in this country. There are a couple of things we need to focus on on the macro level. The first thing, the foundation for building any nation, is the rule of law. Where there's no justice or equity, you will not be able to build a country or an institution. Institutions are built on the foundation of justice. When we go through a dictator or when we have strong men, what you have is a short-term fix. That strong man will go, but what you have built will not be sustained. It is these institutions that allow us to hold the various arms of government and to hold each other to account. So if you have a country that is not built on the basis of justice and equity, we will not be able to do that. The second thing is we've got to upgrade the infrastructure that we have. It's the infrastructure deficit that we face as a country that does not allow the GDP growth that we're seeing today to translate into benefits for the common person. If you're somebody who just wants to open a barbing saloon, it means you don't only have to invest in a clipper, 
you have to invest in a generator. Now imagine if all that you had to do was to invest in a clipper. It would be easy for a lot of people that we call unemployed actually to become employed. The changes in the technology sector has created massive employment for this country. If we think about it, the thousands of people running around in the street with small stores who sell recharge cards to us did not exist before 2001. Now that industry today is worth about 20 billion US dollars and the average retail margin for any person selling any of those cards is about 15%. That means about 3 billion US dollars is being shared by those people that did not exist before. That's the impact of building or putting the right infrastructure in terms of enabling and ensuring that wealth passes down to the people. So we will require to do that. But to do that means you have to build the right institutions and you have to build the right culture of leadership. But that's on the macro side. The focus of this talk is actually on us as individuals. What are we supposed to focus on? The first thing is we've got to focus on changing our minds. Because today, most of us believe that we cannot make anything out of Nigeria. Meanwhile, foreigners or people are coming from other places because they see Nigeria as a land of opportunity. We have been covered with a mindset that we are victims. So everywhere we go, everywhere I go, I meet people who are looking for jobs, I meet people who are looking to drive business, and everyone is operating from a mindset of a victim. According to Steve Biko, the biggest weapon anyone oppressing you has is your mind. Because once he controls your mind, it controls everything about you. And that's why they're able to get our people to collect 5 kg bags of rice and then mortgage their future for the next four years because they have stolen or we have handed over our minds to them. So the first challenge for us is to deal with our minds and also to get rid of the uh, victim mindset. If we look at some parts of scripture, there are very clear emphasis where the Bible talks to us about watching over what we think. So in Proverbs, it says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Who do we spend our time with? What do we focus our time and energy on? Most of us are exposed to social media today. What is it that we pay attention to? There are million and one people who are tweeting and who are writing and saying Nigeria is bad, Nigeria is this, Nigeria is this, you can't do this. And guess what? It starts to sit in your mind. And you start to believe that you can't do anything without a godfather. You can't get a job without you knowing somebody. right? But I know that in the organization where I work, people get jobs just because they have applied and they have succeeded in meeting the requirements that we have, and therefore they enter and get there. People get promoted not for the number of years they have spent, but because they deliver value and they show that they have the potential to do a lot more. Yet there are also lots of people who believe that I can't do anything unless somebody is there to help me, unless I have a godfather. Luke also says, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart bring forth what is good. If we don't think and dwell on what is good, what is possible, what is positive, what can we achieve, there's no way we will be able to drive this. Your action, the outcomes that you get in life are a function of your thinking. It's your thinking that directs the kind of acts that you take. 
And it's the actions that you take that determines the kind of outcome that you get. So if you don't change your thinking, if we don't change our thinking, we will not be able to drive this change. One of the thoughts they've actually built in our minds is to make us believe that politics is a dirty game. And politics is for area boys. So guess what? We vote into the House of Assembly, area boys, and the area boys will now decide laws for you and I. So how will you then be able to checkmate the executive when the House who is supposed to have the responsibility to checkmate the executive and hold them to account because they have an oversight function when you voted people who have no clue about what the vision or the kind of country we want to build. And the only way they can discourage us is by making us feel that politics is dirty and therefore we are too clean. We will remain in the house of the Lord and we will until and we will allow the guys rule and lord over us. And it will get to a point where one day will, they will make a law that will determine whether we can come to church or not. But at that point, it will be too late because we've allowed them to fool us and make us believe that actually politics is a game for dirty people or for bad people. We've also got to understand that being in politics doesn't mean you have to contest for elective positions. Being in politics means I am conscious and aware of my responsibility as a citizen of the country. I'm also conscious of the responsibility and the fact that through education, civic education, we can help our people make the right kind of choices. So we can get involved in politics, not just by going to contest, but actually by raising the level of awareness and education of our people and ensuring that we can drive home the fact that unless we have people with the right kind of intelligence and character, we will not be able to drive change within the business. A simple example for me is when the Israelis were about to enter the promised land. They sent 12 spies to go and see the promised land. And we all remember the testimony that came back. 10 of the 12 spies came and said, the land is filled with giants. We look like grasshoppers in front of these guys. And two of the people said, this land is flowing with milk and honey. Let us go and take that country. And that's the same situation we're in in Nigeria today. There's a lot of noise out there that is telling us that this, these guys are so big and they're so huge and there's nothing we can do about them. Are we going to listen to those guys or are we going to listen to the fact that this is a land flowing with milk and honey and actually the land is an inheritance for us all and we should go in and take control of the land and therefore get the kind of change that we want to get. The simple way to try to drive your mind is actually to draw strength from the symbols of our nation. If I look at the national anthem, if I look at the flag and I look at the coat of arms, there are a couple of things I'll just pull out of there. The first thing is that we're trying to build a land where there's peace, unity, a land bound in freedom a land of the free. The second thing is to build a nation where peace and justice shall reign. Now, if I look at scripture, I do not see anywhere where this national anthem is inconsistent with what is written in scripture. So basically, as Christians, we have a role to ensure that that's the, that's the picture of the Nigeria that we want to create. 
If we look at the symbols, what do they stand for? The white and the flag stands for peace, and the green stands for the agricultural potential of this country. It means a country that should know no lack. And if we look at the symbols of the coat of arms, what do they stand for? The eagle stands for strength. It means the land is endowed with people who have strength. But that strength is not only for when times are good. We need to call upon that strength when times are bad and when times are tough. That's when we truly show that we are strong men. And the two horses are particularly significant for me because they talk about the individuals. The two horses stand for dignity. What is it that you do in your day-to-day -day life? Do we stand straight and proud with dignity? Or have we become victims and therefore we do not see ourselves as equals? And I see it translated in so many jobs and so many things that people do. The average thing you get when you go out anywhere and you meet a security man is greeting you, good morning, sir, or gasa, everything. Is it out of respect or is expecting a tip? The policeman sees your car and is stopping and Ogasa and is forgetting that he's supposed to be checking for criminals on the road. Is he doing that out of dignity or the fact that he's looking for something? We've got to understand that there's dignity in labor and there's a difference between what you do to earn a living and who you are as a person. If we don't separate that, we will find it difficult to survive. A lot of our citizens find it hard to do some things we call undignifying here, and yet they leave the country and go and go and wash plates in other countries and spend 20 years, and they find it difficult to retrace themselves back because they cannot account for the lost years. Meanwhile, it is easy for you to have become, yes, a tailor, who today is called a fashion designer and probably makes a lot more money, right? To be a taxi driver who owns a fleet of cars and all of a sudden is a logistics provider. Well, right there, you will spend time driving one cab for 20 years. And yes, you come home at Christmas, you change your 1,000 pounds and spend it in a week and people will think you are alive. you've arrived. No, you've not. Because when we go over there, we know that you cannot survive and sustain on the livings that you get there. So how do we build people as individuals who have dignity, who hold themselves with respect and see that there's nothing beneath them so long as it comes to fulfilling their sense of responsibility. The scripture is very clear about a man who cannot provide for his family. He is worse than infidel, right? There's nothing that is beneath any one of us when it comes to providing for your family, for your community, and therefore, there's nothing that should be tied to you as an individual. You can wash your overall at the end of the day and you come out and you change into your designer and you're a different person because there's a clear difference because what you do at work and what you do outside of work. We also have to ensure that we get involved in the political debates, right? Democracy is about choices and we have a role in ensuring that we participate in this game. Simple quote from Gandhi, anyone who feels that he's not interested in politics is like a drowning man who says he's not interested in water. Whether you like it or not, you are in it. So long as you are alive and so long as you live in a society, you are in politics. Politics affects you one way or the other. 
You either pay for it directly, even for those who think that they are doing okay, there's a community of people who live in your village that you still have to cater for and all the things that follow everybody who has a sense of responsibility. So whether we like it or not, we have to be involved in it. And the church is very clear. The scripture is very clear about the gifts that God has given us within the church. There are administrators, there are teachers, there are healers, there are people who have the gifts of giving, there are people who have the gifts of leadership. What is it that you do on your day-to-day -day basis? Can you find a way of trying to drive that within the society or community where you operate in? Can we bring those gifts that we have inside the church out of the church? Can we ensure that we create within the church a culture and environment that actually the outside world looks at us and actually says, you know what, this is the best way for us to go because we can see a clear example by the way the church is leading, the way the society supposed to be. We should be a mirror by which the society looks at itself. We should not be a mirror of the external world, right? And that's what we have to focus on and ensure that we have to drive that. We also have to put a focus on creating value. These days, everyone is chasing about, I want to be successful. I want to have lots of money. I want to have so many cars. And you think that your life is secure. Sometimes in the past, I used to tease one of my colleagues in the office who lived in VGC. I said, you guys think you are safe, right? You've built fine walls. You have good roads. But next to you, you have a jar. The day those guys will climb the fence and enter that your beautiful compound, you guys will find out that you have a problem. The only solution you have is to go into their community and start to impact their lives in a positive manner. When we start to impact their lives in a positive manner, that's the security we get. Because today, we are all in a big jail. We are all living in a big jail. Because everybody has gates, streets have gates, houses have gates, then you have iron doors for this thing, and then everywhere is locked up. We have actually become prisoners. We're trying to keep them away from us. No, let's go into their communities. Let's start serving the communities around us. Let's start creating a difference in their lives. Let's start making them understand that they can actually live a more meaningful life and we can actually make change. One of the greatest men that ever lived, Nelson Mandela, said, judging our progress as individuals, we tend to concentrate on external factors such as one's social position, influence, popularity, and wealth. But internal factors may be much more important. Things like humility, purity, generosity, absence of vanity, readiness to serve your fellow man, qualities that are within the reach of every man. And I think Philippians... Two, puts it very well, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but for the interest of others. Einstein puts it very succinctly, try not to be a man of success, but rather to become a man of value. If we focus on creating value, we will get rewarded for that because the society pays for value. It doesn't pay for anything else that we do. 
A key thing we have to focus on, and we actually have to try and uproot that out, is a culture of mediocrity. One of the symptoms is corruption, but actually we have a much bigger problem, which is mediocrity, laziness, and a lack of sense of responsibility. The quality of a man's life is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence, regardless of their chosen field of endeavor. That is the difference between a tailor and a fashion designer. That's the difference between a shoemaker and a cobbler with a big shop on Awolowo Street that charges you 600 naira to put gum on your shoes. It's that pursuit of a culture of excellence. And unfortunately, we think this is only related to government, but I've seen in my career how we have let Nigerians down. 20 years ago when I started work, most of the MDs of most multinational companies in, Niger in this country were Nigerians. If you fast forward to today, 80% of the MDs, marketing directors, finance directors are expatriates. So what has happened? The Nigerians that were put in there did not understand that they, have a, they had a responsibility to other people to ensure that they put credible Nigerians in positions of authority. We allowed a culture of mediocrity to sit in, and we basically started to take those companies down. And what has happened? The owners of the organizations have simply come back to say, you know what, let us go back and put ourselves and take over the properties that we have. What we've done is we've made it difficult for the next generations of Nigerians to actually aspire to positions of authority, even in sectors where merit is actually driven. So for each one of us here, irrespective of the role that you have, you actually are holding a position in trust for other Nigerians. You've got to understand the extent of the responsibility you have because your performance determines whether or not, right, you will go and get people from outside. I've actually seen organizations where they are actually hiring regional managers from Asian countries because they say they are cheaper and they work better and actually they give all their determination. So what will happen to the millions of people that are coming out of our schools? We focused on getting certificates and ignored learning and education and building character. When you're awarded a degree, normally they will cite this person has been found worthy in character and in learning. And really, what is the purpose of education? is to make us to have the ability to think critically and make choices. But today we brandish certificates without the ability to think. And you know, when I look at some of the recent events, it actually highlights this very clearly. Ebola crisis, and people started tweeting, you have to drink salt and bath with salt. I was actually disappointed because I got from graduates who actually forwarded, broadcast those same messages. And I had to ask, what is the value of that education? Somebody with a high school certificate in health science will understand that this is not valid. We all have phones and we spend hours on Facebook and Twitter. Is it easy to just Google Ebola facts on WHO and just understand that this is what it is and therefore you rely on that? We've become so lazy that we're ready to accept facts that people throw and believe that these facts are actually real. No. In the past, and in the Bible, it is said, I think one of the churches, 
Even after the service, they went and they researched the books and made sure whether the teachings were consistent with what was written in culture. Today, we are building a culture where people don't read, where people don't want to think, and where people don't want to take responsibility for their future. If we want to create change, we would have to be ready to change that. We've got to root out that culture. Clearly, in Philippians, it says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Ecclesiastes 10.10 puts it clearly. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. And Ecclesiastes also tells us, sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or whether both will do well. We can't sit and look at the circumstances and decide that because it's raining, therefore I can't go out. No. And basically, we have the rule book that helps us deal with mediocrity. It's clearly written in Joshua 1.8. If we abide by the laws in the book and we follow it clearly, meticulously, we will find out that we will banish that culture of mediocrity that sits within us. The journey to building a nation is not easy. It requires a lot of perseverance and a lot of determination. Calvin Coolidge was a famous U.S. president in the 1800s, and one of the biggest statements he made was clearly about the power of perseverance. There are so many educated people who are derelicts. There are people with talent whose talent is by the wayside. It is the slogan, press on, that has changed and will continue to change the problems of the human race. And if we look at scripture, scripture is very clear. Galatians 6.9 tells us, let's not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap where if we do not lose heart. And Romans 5.3 also tells us, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We are so used to politicians and 419ers displaying signs of wealth, we believe that you can go from zero to something just by the blinker of an eye. Sustainable success is earned by hard work. Sustainable success is earned by hard work. We will face difficulties. We will face challenges. But like the scripture says, the righteous man may fall seven times, but he will rise. And the key thing is not to give up hope whilst we're doing that. So for me, in conclusion, as Christians... It is important that we take the values of Christ in our everyday living and in our everyday journey because it is these values that will strengthen us and will give us roots and give us faith. It is also important for us to understand that our actions actually speak louder than words. So the testimony of our life is in the way we act and the way we behave, and we have a responsibility as Christians to be the light for the rest of the nation. And knowing fully well that as Christians, at the end of the day, we will be held accountable for the life we've lived if we have not handled our responsibility. The summary at the end, like the prophet said in Ecclesiastes, the simple 
fact is, the duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Thank you very much as we walk towards this journey of building a great nation. And God bless Nigeria and God bless you all.